the horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad, as always, to have you along for the ride. Our buddy, Nathan Miller, he is our producer and he is at the board once again today. Today, 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 March 3, 2023, is World Wildlife Day, an important day. We are going to celebrate this occasion by exploring a haven for a majestic yet at-risk marvel of nature, a true titan. The Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee is the nation's largest natural habitat refuge developed specifically for African and Asian elephants. The sanctuary operates on 3,060 acres in Hohenwald, Tennessee. Hohenwald, Tennessee is 85 miles southwest of Nashville. We are going to be talking to an authority on this great subject, Laura Roddy. She is the education manager of the Elephant Sanctuary. There is so much to learn. We've got a little time to do it, and we are going to enjoy this interview. It has worldwide implications. Thanks for tuning in. Give us a couple of minutes, and we'll be right back with the interview right back after this. Adventure, history, and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. We are going to converse with Laura Roddy, Education Manager at the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee. Laura has a Master of Arts in Teaching from Miami University in Ohio and has been working in zoo and conservation education for the last 10 years. She has worked at different institutions, diverse, like the Phoenix Zoo in Arizona, the Arizona Sonora Desert Museum in Tucson, and Walt Disney World at Animal Kingdom Lodge in Orlando, Florida. At the Elephant Sanctuary, Laura is the education manager overseeing all the education that is taking place within the facility. 
This includes a distance learning program where staff meets with groups and classes around the world on a daily basis. And so for the first time, maybe not the last, we welcome Laura Roddy. We're so happy, Laura, to have you with us today. Thank you, and happy World Wildlife Day. It is a happy day, particularly when we're talking to people as proactive as yourself and your colleagues in doing something that many people in this world would not even think to do while others might not care so much. But that's what a show like today is all about, to educate, to inform, and inspire people to take action, even if that means coming by and visiting to ask how they can contribute, how they can donate to the success of the Elephant Sanctuary. But you know, Laura, why don't we go ahead and start, I, whenever I get to a subject like this, I like to begin at the beginning and go to the end and stop there. And the only thing that stops us is the clock. In terms of the Elephant Sanctuary, it had to be the brainchild, the inspiration of one or perhaps a group of people who decided that they could get this done. Who, what, when, where, why did the Elephant Sanctuary come into being? Yeah, so the Elephant Sanctuary was founded by a couple that had an elephant and they realized that they didn't want her to be in zoos or in show business anymore. So they started looking for a piece of property that they could retire her to. Um, we use the word retired a lot here because the elephants that come into our care they were working elephants. They were in um, circuses and exhibition life. And now this is their retirement. So um, when they decided to retire her, they found a piece of property right here in Lewis County, Tennessee. Um, we were founded at about 100 and 110 to 150 acres. And it's kind of all gone from there. We now have over 3,000 acres. Um, and it's just outside of Hohenwald. So it's it was really just an idea for one elephant that has grown from there. Hohenwald, Tennessee, 85 miles from Nashville, southwest, I believe it is. That places you in middle Tennessee. It does. So Lewis County is um, about an hour and a half from Nashville. Um, if I, we were going to the Nashville um, airport, it would be about an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Well, that makes it pretty easy to get to. That's good news. I must tell you, just in the interest of this conversation, that I live in Sarasota, Florida. We broadcast from Seattle, and then it becomes a podcast, and it's cast of the four winds. But here in Sarasota, the lasting nickname of the town in which I reside is Circus City. So when you talk about elephants and entertainment, there is a lot of history there. And yet I'm happy to tell you, Laura, that many, many, I would say by far the vast majority of people in our locale very much support the idea of retiring these elephants so that they can go to a natural preserve, a true sanctuary. And guess what? They get to just be elephants. Yeah, that's exactly what we are doing here. So we have elephants that come from circus life, and this is a space for them to use their natural instincts to roam and explore and walk down the valleys and walk up the hills. Um, we've seen a lot of um, really amazing stories for these elephants as they've come to sanctuary um, from circus life or exhibition life. And I'm I'm impressed and also heartened by the knowledge that instinctively the elephants know they're so smart they don't, they remember everything but they're also instinctively intelligent 
And when they're retired, they apparently they start to act like an elephant would be expected to act in the wild after years and years of either being in a zoo or in some entertainment venue, a circus perhaps, where their behavior is shaped and not in the kindest of means many times. Sometimes it's just plain mean the way they're treated. I mean, nobody's going to use a bull hook around you folks. Yeah, so we don't have any bull hooks on property with the exception of in our museum space. And that is just as a show to show the history of elephants in human care. So nothing is on property with those elephants. And for us, we actually work in protected contact with all of our elephants, which means that um, none of our care staff share space with elephants. There's always a physical um physical object like a fence in between a human and an elephant. And that's for our safety, but it's to give these elephants autonomy over their lives too. So if at any point they're interacting with a care staff through that fence line and they decide that they are sick of us, we're not giving them snacks fast enough. Um, one of our elephants really gets distracted by butterflies. If they walk <laughs> away from us, it's totally fine. They can do that. And they don't have that fear of punishment that they might've had when they were in circus life and had those bull hooks around them. You know, I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about the distinction between African elephants and Asian elephants. I understand that it doesn't simply come down to geography. They are different critters in various ways. A hundred percent. So actually, my favorite elephant fact that I love to tell everybody is that Asian elephants are actually closer related to woolly mammoths than they are African elephants. Um, so they are completely different biologically. Um, they have different physical characteristics. They're uh, different um, kind of ways that they communicate is slightly different. Now they can communicate between species, but it's going to be compared to somebody from England speaking to somebody in the South. Everybody speaks English, but it might just be a different dialect. Um, so it's a little different for them. So they are vastly different from one another. And there's actually three species of elephants in the world, two African species and an Asian elephant. In terms of the acquisition, Laura, how does that happen? How did it happen originally? And what about females and males? It's interesting to me that in relatively recent years, there, in fact, I think a couple of months ago, you acquired a new bull elephant. It wasn't always that way. No. So we were founded as a refuge for female Asian elephants. Um, that's what was, there was a need there when we were first founded. So when we first started, that's where we had the care for. And then slowly people started asking us, hey, can you take an African female? And so we, in 2004, Tanji and Zula came and they were her first African elephants. Um, we have five of each at this point, um, five Asian and five African one of which is a bull. So only until, um, so in 2008, we did receive a bull elephant, Ned. He was confiscated by the government and given to us um, to get healthy before he was going to move to another elephant sanctuary. Um, sadly, his health was just in pretty bad shape, so he did pass away. But in January, so just over a month ago, we actually got our first permanent bull elephant to sanctuary. Um, his name's Artie, and he's super fun to watch. I'm so used to looking at female elephants on our cameras and stuff that I'm so shocked every time I see him because he's so different and big, um, really compared to some of our females. So now I'm kind of shifting because I know you have a discovery center, and I will not neglect that wonderful place. It's a great thing, too. People go to YouTube. 
and if they put a, the Elephant Sanctuary, Tennessee, you're going to be able to see any number of videos that really tells the story, but also invites you to go and visit in person. And when that happens, Laura, I'm setting you up on this one here, my friend. There, What if um, children or grandchildren say, Mommy, Grandma, when do we get to go pet the elephants? How would you answer that? <laughs> So we, the elephant refuge where the elephants live is actually completely closed to the public. We do not have visitors, guests, or tours on property. So our education center, which is where I'm at right now, is where we can do our education. So when they say, mommy, daddy, grandma, when can we pet an elephant? We don't have that opportunity here because our elephants are retired from public life. They've lived a life where they're around humans and doing tricks for humans and being on show for humans. And now this is their chance to be elephants, as wild as they physically can be in rural Tennessee. So the Education Center is a really great space with exhibits that talk about how we care for these elephants, how elephants communicate. Um, it has a history of elephants in human care, a history of sanctuaries. And we actually have our live elephant cameras, um, visible in our discovery space. Um, but if you're in Washington or Sarasota, you can also see those LE cams. You can go to our website, elephants.com and go to the LE cams and you can see those cameras to see what's going on with the elephants at any given time. Now don't go there right now at the moment on March 3rd, because um, we're having some weather issues. <laughs> uh, there's been some pretty crazy storms. So they're down at the moment, but hopefully if somebody's listening to this in the future, you can go to those LA cams and see what the elephants are up to. Well, you bring up a good point, too. I should ask you why that space. I mean, the, the vast space. Yes, in Tennessee. That's terrific. How about elephants in Tennessee in terms of turning that into natural habitat? That might affect everything from the weather they typically experience. And I understand you have some heated barns that they can go into at will. But how does that affect, for example, their need for a variegated diet? Yeah, so... The seasonal variations in Tennessee's um, landscape are actually really good um, for their foraging and enrichment for them. So it helps enrich their lives. Um, they also can eat anything that they want as they're exploring. Tennessee is a pretty mild climate. We don't get too much um, cold weather. Um, it's been 70s this last week. It's been pretty beautiful here. Um, and so it's pretty amazing for us to have this vast amount of land for them. And in that, they can use eat all the vegetation and explore that, which is really exciting for that mental health. I'm interested in particular about your background, Laura. Let's take a couple of moments here and talk about that. Now, you have, and we read it in your brief bio, you have a, a rich background. There had to be a point where you individually, as someone acquiring a lot of expertise decided, yep, the Disney thing's great. You know, Phoenix was a hoot. It's warm there most of the time. And all of a sudden, here you are working at the elephant, at an elephant sanctuary. I think it's one of two that is credited and recognized around the world. So that's some pretty rarefied company. But what is it that does it for you so that you would take that job in order to accomplish what? Yeah, so I really love the Elephant Sanctuary. It's really unique. Um, so uh, quite a few of the facilities I've worked at are very unique and niche in what they do. And I've really kind of grasped that. Um, I was drawn to that because I actually have a bachelor's degree from the University of Tennessee. 
So I'm from Arizona. I went to the University of Tennessee for college. I fell in love with Tennessee. I lived in Florida for a while. I moved back to Arizona. And then somewhere in COVID, I decided I was ready for another change. And I found a job at the Elephant Sanctuary. I have been to Namibia. I've seen wild elephants. And I really loved the idea of seeing elephants as wild as they can be within captivity. Um, so that's something that was really really unique to me. And the fact that we're close to the public gives these elephants the opportunity to just be elephants, like we've said multiple times. And that's just been really amazing for my soul and what I like in educating. The education center relative to the sanctuary itself, if I'm going to pay a visit there, and I fully intend to do so, when you go there, how do you manage that back and forth? Do you buy a package? Does it get you into both venues? There's got to be some coordination going on there. So the actual refuge that the elephants live at is completely close to the public. So there is no entrance to it or anything like that. You but, can't even drive by. Nope. You're going to see a really big fence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't even see an elephant if you drove by. Um, mm. But the museum space is actually completely free of charge. Um, our um, board decided a very long time ago that education is going to be an accessible opportunity for anybody. So all of our distance learning and virtual field trips, all of our field trips, all of our um, tours to the museum space, even walk-in guests, everything is completely free of charge other than the merchandise that you can just come in and explore on your own. How do you folks, I know there's a, there's some way to adopt an elephant. I saw that in the primary YouTube video. In terms of the funding, it's interesting to me, Laura, because you use the word confiscate. The government confiscated these elephants. And when I hear confiscate, I automatically think, okay, there is an animal that was to some degree and in some way or another being abused. Some of our an animals, for sure. Yes. Um, there was quite a few, a few of our elephants that were confiscated by the United States Department of Agriculture or by the government. Others of our elephants were actually given to us willingly by owners that thought they were looking for the best for that animal. And sometimes some of our elephants were, um, we worked with those zoos to have a really good interaction. And they decided that these elephants are getting older and that they need more opportunities. And so then they reach out to us for those opportunities. So you'll see a mixture if you go to our website and look at all of our elephants' biographies. You're going to see a mixture of how they came to sanctuary. So yes, some of them were some pretty terrible experiences. Um, Billy's one that there's actually a book we sell on our gift shop. It's um, written by Carol Bradley. It's called The Last Chain on Billy. And it's all about Billy's story through circus life. Um, it wasn't always the best. Um, and when Billy came to Sanctuary, she actually was a part of eight elephants that came within a two-week period, um, all of which were kind of given to us by owners that were under um, litigation for um, violations against the Animal Welfare Act. So when Billy came here, she didn't trust people. And it actually took her five years before she um, allowed us to take a chain off of her foot. Oh, and that my. chain was the last representation of circus life within her mm. life. So um, it's a pretty amazing story. It is a tearjerker. So if you're, if you're ready to cry, you can read it. Um, but I think that that's just one example. Other examples are Tanji and Sukari that were given to us by zoos that were looking out for the best of those elephants' um, care and well-being. You know, someone's out there listening and they're wondering, well, if you want to have 
elephants and you want you want to keep these species going then uh, why not have them breed yeah that's a question we're asked all the time especially since we got the, our new male elephant but we don't actually breed elephants so number one all of our elephants are a little older they're on that older side but number two is any elephant that is born to us at the elephant sanctuary there's no guarantee that that elephant's ever going to be able to see the wild. They're never going to be able to be returned back to Africa and Asia, really. And so for us, we don't believe in breeding. Um, so we just don't participate in that here at the Elephant Sanctuary. And this represents a philosophy of how you were going to, without directly interacting in a hands-on way, you interact with the species and it becomes a conservancy. It's a sanctuary, but in a way it's an elephant conservatory because, I mean, Zoo life and sanctuary life are different by definition. And yet many of these elephants, they have the experience. I don't even know what sorts of images they would store in their memory banks there, but they've had one kind of life. Maybe that's all they really knew. And now they're in a sanctuary and they get to be elephants. That's a kind of miracle to be able to pull that off with your staff helping you and doing this creatively and compassionately. Yeah. So our, we belong to AZA, which is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, which is basically like a gold standard of zoological facilities. And so there are definitely some facilities out there that are doing everything correctly, everything the right way. And then at some point in those elephants' lives, they're like, hey, can they come to you to live out the rest of their lives in their retirement? It's like moving to Sarasota to retire at the end of your life, right? There's a lot of those people out there. And so that's what sanctuary really is, is a place for these elephants to come at the end of their lives, hopefully to live out those lives in a sanctuary, in their happy place, or in a place that they can just um, be as much of an elephant as possible. And they do have that autonomy because... Again, and I recommend to folks that you go to YouTube and just uh, enter in that search window, the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee, lots of great stuff there. And you've got the video. And it one of the points that was made in the primary video is that if an elephant wants to take a dip in a pond, the elephant takes a dip in a pond. If they want to stand for a while in the shade of a tree, nobody is moving them around. This is true autonomy. Yeah, I was actually looking at our Ellie cams before they went down this morning and Minnie decided to get into a mud wallow and was like sticking her trunk up and it looked like a little submarine playing in the mud. <laughs> it was adorable. Um, but they have that autonomy. They can choose if they want to spend their nights under the stars, they can. If they want to um, go swimming, they can. If they want to um, push down every tree in their habitat, they can. And Flora is, I think, trying. <laughs> so oh, it's really? fun. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. She's redecorating that habitat. But I think that the autonomy is really exciting to see them become as natural as possible in an environment that is pretty natural within itself. A couple things I wanted to be clear on. Now, these elephants are retired. They live out their lives as well as you could possibly expect. Does being in the entertainment culture, not being in the wild, affect their longevity? So that's a really complicated question to answer. So the oldest elephant we ever had here at Elef the Elephant Sanctuary, her name was Shirley. Um, she lived moved here in 
1999. She actually just passed away in 2021. She was 72 at the time of her death. When we talk about the average age of an elephant, both in captivity and in the wild, we're talking about 45 to 50. So at 72, Shirley was well beyond the average age of an elephant. Um, We like to think that we were taking really good care of her and see that, but we need more research to be able to say that indefinitely. So we definitely think that they are having the best life that they can here at Sanctuary. They're getting all of their opportunities. They're getting um, individualized care for life. That's one of the pillars we definitely um, strive to do. And what that is, is that is making sure each and every elephant has what they need to thrive. So Shirley actually had a um, back leg problem. And so we created um, tools for her to be able to do the same things as the other elephants in a different way. So we worked with her disability to make it an ability so that her individual care was really important. And we held her to a really high standard and we're holding ourselves to that standard for all of our elephants. When we look at the distinctions between African elephants and Asian elephants, what are the normal expectations, not only in terms of longevity, but for example, and I'll just use this from the canine world, owners of German shepherds know, and if they don't, they'll find out soon enough that hip dysplasia is a problem that you will chronically see with German shepherds. Regardless of their pedigree, that's going to be something to look out for. But what about the African elephants and the Asian elephants? Do they have things that they are inclined and will need to answer this quick because we're just about wrapping it up here. There are other things that you look for that can happen physically with them that need to be monitored by your medical and training staff. Yeah. So a lot of our elephants, especially circus elephants, have arthritis. Um, when elephants were in circuses and stuff like that, they would spend a lot of their time on cement or blacktop. Well, if you ask a runner, where's the worst place they can run? Most of the time they're going to say the cement or blacktop. And that's because it has no give. And so we see a lot of our circus and performing elephants have a lot of that arthritis because of their life prior to coming to sanctuary. Lara Roddy, I'm grateful for your visit, grateful to you for sharing all of that knowledge. There's so much more to learn. Please tell everyone where they can find out online how to get up close and personal with you, the staff, and of course, the elephants. Well, the Elephant Sanctuary is closed, so you're not getting up close and personal with them, but you can learn about the Elephant Sanctuary at www.elephants.com, and you can learn all about us there. And on the camera, that's as close as you're going to get, so enjoy. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Laura Roddy, Education Manager at the Elephant Sanctuary in Hohenwald, Tennessee. I hope to see you in person sometime myself. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk today, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Music.